how did you go about getting your first speaking gig? I would like my account of getting a first speaking gig to begin with my oft-repeated trope that you need not worry about matters like this until you've gone off and done something interesting first. But that's not how I went about it. My first talk took place a few days before I had anything interesting to talk about, before I'd done anything at all. My mum assembled her local WI group in our living room at home to hear all about the marvellous bicycle ride around the world that her darling son had not yet begun. I was embarrassed and at a loss over what on earth to talk about. But I figured that going ahead with the talk would pretty much repay 24 years of free rent and food. So I scampered up to my bedroom to take the world map off my wall whilst mum made tea and sandwiches. I used drawing pins and string to approximate my imagined heroic route around the world on the map, manoeuvred my shiny new bike and panniers in front of the mantelpiece and began nervously winging it. Clearly, it helps to have something interesting to talk about before you become a speaker. Failing that, there's nothing you can do about being a beginner except to make the best of things. Never be afraid to try something new. Remember, amateurs built the Ark, professionals built the Titanic. I had no intention of becoming a motivational speaker. I'm not sure I even knew such a bizarre creature existed. But I did want to raise funds and awareness for the charity Hope and Homes for Children, and so I needed to tell my story somehow. When I pedalled into Istanbul, a school invited me to give a talk in return for a donation to the charity. The idea had never occurred to me, but I agreed, and the next 20 years of my life began. I got that first school talk because a friend of one of my mum's friend's daughters lived in Istanbul, let me stay at their home and her child attended the school. When getting started, you need to accept whatever opportunities come your way. Personal links, however tenuous, are invaluable for getting your toe in the door. Your useful network might not always be who you imagine it to be. I would suggest that you are thankful for any contacts you might have rather than resentful that you don't have as many as another speaker. That's a losing hand all of us can play. I didn't yet have a lot to tell those school kids in Istanbul, though at least I now had two months of tales from riding across Europe. I made my first ever PowerPoint slideshow, put my tent up for the kids, showed them my tiny camping stove and answered what would become very familiar questions about wild animals, favourite countries and going for a poo. I ended up spending several days speaking to different classes. My presentations had to fit around the school's busy schedule. The slots varied from too short to too long, as they often tend to do in schools. Later on my ride, I cycled a considerable distance out of my way to speak at a school in Kenya and was then allotted five minutes to speak. More than once on that trip, a frazzled teacher saw me as light relief and sent me out in front of the lions for 90 minutes or more whilst they caught up on their marking or sneaked behind the bike sheds for a cigarette. I didn't really mind what was thrown at me in the early years of giving talks. Each one was an opportunity to learn what an audience found interesting, then improve it next time. I'd try new styles, new approaches, new ways of telling old jokes. I began learning about the impact of pace or pausing, leaping around 
or sitting on a stool, galloping through a kaleidoscope of pictures, or allowing one to linger. There are a million ways to give a good talk, but you need to give conscious thought to every detail you include or omit. Over time, I've settled on a personal preference of 30 minutes maximum for young children, 45 minutes for teenagers, and one hour tops for adults, each with 25% of the time allocated for questions. After the success of Istanbul, I decided to try to speak at more schools throughout my ride around the world. I spent many, many hours emailing schools asking if I could give a talk when I reached their city. Persuading schools to agree to my visit was a challenge I needed to think carefully about. A random guy emails and says, Hi, I haven't had a shower for months, a job for even longer. Occasionally, I sleep in drain pipes under the road. Please can I come and talk to your pupils and encourage them to live like I do? This was not going to be easy. Schools are busy. Emails are a pestilence. Only a few teachers in a school have anything to do with organising outside visitors, if any at all. None of them knew anything about me. So I needed to strike carefully and precisely. Emailing a specific person rather than an info at school.com address massively boosts your chance of getting a reply. Getting those email addresses requires diligence, patience and networking skills. I preempted my spiel with something personal like Dear Mr Oakenshield, I was given your email address by your friend William Baggins. He told me all about your adventures together. I hope you don't mind me contacting you. I then explained that I was a qualified teacher to establish some credibility. I said I was cycling around the world to capture their interest and make this email seem different from the day's other dross. I quoted references from schools I had spoken at previously. I linked my adventures to one or two specific educational aims and asked whether I could share these experiences at their school. I did all this in a succinct paragraph. You have time later in an email to point out relevant learning goals from the curriculum, mention money, clarify who you are, and lay out what your visit to the school might look like in more detail. But you only have a few seconds of someone's attention when they open an email before they hit delete. Whenever I gave a talk, I would ask teachers if they could personally connect me with any other schools along my route. I also made sure to collect a reference from every school I visited. This pursuit of references and word-of-mouth recommendations is critical and continues to this day, two decades after my first talk. Don't underestimate the power of a good reference. I began building my credibility and client list right away and kept tweaking it as the calibre of my talks improved. Whether it's collecting speaker feedback, asking my audience to review my books and podcasts or forward a newsletter to a friend, every aspect of becoming a viable working adventurer benefits from asking others to take action on my behalf. It's up to me to offer sufficient in return for this not to feel irritating or parasitical. By the way, if you're enjoying listening to this, please do leave a quick review online, uh, post a photo on social media or tell a couple of your friends about it. Thank you. So I continued repeating all of this stuff for the next four years, giving over 300 unpaid talks on five continents. 
In return, I raised funds for my charity and often received bed and breakfast as well. Speaking at schools became a wonderful way for me to make quick friends in new cities. The hospitality and friendship of so many school communities was amongst my favourite parts of the whole adventure. One of the best moments came when I returned to that first school in Istanbul on the homeward leg of my ride to give another talk. A teenager came up to me after my discussion and said, When I was a little kid, four years ago, some guy came to speak to us about riding around the world. He was just getting started. I loved that talk and I've often thought about it since. I wonder what happened to him. Quick question. What do you talk about? The content of each talk varies according to the requirements of the event, but I can generalise the rough layout of most of my talks. I begin by trying to establish some credibility for the key points I will want to make later on. I explain who I am with some hopefully entertaining ripping yarns about a few of my bigger adventures. I talk about the lessons I learned from them and the directions my life has travelled as a result of them. I gradually start to incorporate some wider metaphors into these anecdotes. As I progress, these become more specific to the audience and the purpose of the event. Finally, I end with some clear conclusions and calls to action. I get one bonus point for finishing punctually and a few more every time I make someone laugh.